Tonight I'll be preaching from the book of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. Matthew, chapter 16, and I'll be reading from verse 6 down to verse number 12. Matthew, chapter 16, and verse number 6. The Bible says, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have brought no bread? Do ye not yet understand, neither remember, the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for the privilege that we have here tonight to praise your name and to lift you up, to hear of the great things that you're doing in the lives of people. And we thank you so much for your precious word that we can look into and we can hear from and have direction, guidance for how we are to live in this life. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit that indwells us and teaches us. And I pray tonight as your word goes forth that you would use it once again to speak to each and every heart and to challenge us in our walk with you. I pray that you'll give me the words you'll have me to say, and I pray that there will be a source of strength and encouragement to each and every person who would listen. I pray that you would cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. And I pray that if there's someone under the sound of my voice who does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, that that one would come to know you before it's eternally too late. Take full control, stir the heart of every believer, and we'll be careful to thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. There's an interesting phenomenon that we experience as people that our perspective of situations change as you move further away from the situation or the thing. This can happen in relation to distance. On Nevis, we have dominating our geography here on this beautiful island, a mountain. And this mountain from a distance, looking at it from a distance and a ways away, can cause us to look at it in awe at its majesty and its beauty. But when you venture, if you would be willing to be so brave to tackle it by climbing it, the difficulty, the falls, and the cuts, and the bruises you encounter are going to be what dominate your mind as opposed to the majesty and the beauty of the mountain. This can also happen in relation to time. I think back on this as I look back on my school days and I think of 
teachers that I had in school. And the ones who were sticklers for discipline and who were strict. But as you grow older, you have a different perspective of these teachers and a greater appreciation for them than you did at the time when they were enforcing discipline. As we take a look back at life, there's a recognition that these individuals challenged you. They demanded better because they knew that you could do better. They helped you fulfill your potential and they knew that you were performing below your ability even when you thought you couldn't do it. The reality is, as you move further away from circumstances or situations or even physical structures, your perspective changes. Jesus, during his ministry on earth, was a teacher. He spent time teaching his disciples in particular. He used a variety of different approaches and strategies to impart what he was teaching. But one of the things that Jesus did is that in teaching, he challenged his disciples to learn. He challenged them to grow. Jesus did not accept mediocrity. He did not accept them staying at the same place spiritually. And when it comes to this thing we called ministry, if we're going to pattern what Jesus did, we must challenge each other to grow. We want to pattern what Jesus did in his ministry here at Shiloh Baptist Church. I don't want to preach a message tonight that I've entitled, by way of this series, A Ministry to Pattern, when it comes to what we do, whether you're involved in a women's ministry, whether you're involved in a youth ministry, whether you're involved in a couple's ministry, whether you're involved in the, the, the facility care ministry, Whatever you do, challenge each other to grow. That's the title of my message tonight. Challenge each other to grow. Now understand that as human beings, we don't all grow at the same pace. We don't grow at the same rate. However, irrespective of where you are, irrespective of where we are, we are not to plateau in our Christian walk. We are not to reach the summit of our Christianity and our walk with God. We are to continue to be striving and moving on up. To quote an old sitcom. <laughs> but we are to challenge each other to grow. Now, I want us to observe how Jesus did this. Because there's a sequence as it relates to individuals being able to grow, to move in a direction positively, particularly spiritually speaking. And let's observe how Jesus did this with his disciples here tonight. Now notice first of all, there has to be instruction. Instruction. Now Jesus began his ministry right out the gate by teaching we see right after his baptism in Matthew's gospel, chapter 
5. He began with the Sermon on the Mount. When it comes to seeing people grow, there has to be a place and a phase where teaching takes place by way of instruction. Think of how unfair it is when you're a student and a teacher tests you on something that simply was not taught. It's frustrating, isn't it? It's reasonable to think that that's not a fair expectation, that you would be expected to do well on something that you were not taught on. Jesus taught on many things. I want to draw your attention back to Matthew chapter 6, because in relation to what we want to look at tonight, I want you to see how Jesus was very fair. Before he had expectations, which we'll see shortly, he engaged in instructing. Now look at Matthew chapter 6, and this is still the Sermon on the Mount, beginning in chapter 5 and goes through chapter 7. But I want you to notice what he taught in Matthew chapter 6. We don't have time to look at all these verses, but in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 up to verse 34, he's teaching them on this matter of faith, right? They were hearing about having confidence in God. Verse 25, take no thought of your life, what he shall eat, what he shall drink, nor yet for your body, what he shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? And he's saying to them, listen, if, if God can take care of the, the flowers of the field and the birds of the air, listen, you have confidence and faith in God that you are far more valuable. He will take care of you. And so he admonishes them in verse number 33, very familiar verse, when it comes to this understanding that you can put your confidence in God, but seek ye first, with a priority, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He's saying to them, listen, put me first, put God first, put your confidence in him, put your faith in him, and he will come through. So he's instructing them here on the matter of faith. He instructed them throughout his ministry on a variety of different things. And let me say that when it comes to this role of being a pastor, especially, a critical responsibility of a pastor is to teach the people the word of God. It's important to take time to do it Accurately, properly, with clarity, where it is understood. So Jesus taught here in this chapter on faith. So instruction has to be the basis, the foundation of getting and challenging people to grow. You got to teach. Instruction. But in teaching does not only involve instruction, it also involves demonstration showing for those of you especially in school who did science while you were taught a particular theory or a particular principle time was spent to show by way of experiments by way of lab displays if you did geography and even history 
the time when the teacher would take you on a field trip and take you to particular sites. It helps your learning. It reinforces what was taught. Even if you did a foreign language, it helps to listen to people who, for which that foreign language was a native, is a native language. You hear certain intonations in the pronunciation of the words. Why? Demonstration is an important part of teaching. Jesus showed his disciples time and time again after instructing them that you can actually place your faith in me and he demonstrated how they could do that and why they should do that. Look at a series of passages and I'm sure you're familiar with these stories. Look at Matthew chapter 8 and verse 14 to 16. Jesus comes to Peter's house and saw his wife's mother laid sick of a fever and he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and ministered unto them. Look at verse number 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. He, was, he, he taught them, he instructed them and he was now demonstrating to them, listen, I'm not asking you to put your confidence in someone who you can't. I'm demonstrating to you that I have power to do what I said. Look at verse number 25. Disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. Here they are on the ship. We perish. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. Listen, Jesus was demonstrating to them what he taught them in the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 9, verse 27. To 31, here he heals two blind men. Chapter 14, and verse 15 to 21, and there's so many other miracles that could be referenced. But in chapter 15, 14 rather, and verse 15 to 21, we just looked at this a week ago. And he feeds the 5,000. Five loaves, two fish. And he multiplies it. Fragments left over, 12 baskets full. Chapter 15, verse 32 to 39. Feeds the 4,000. They're, they're seeing the demonstration of what Jesus can do. Miracles, power over nature, healing the sick, raising the dead. He was demonstrating what he was teaching by way of instructing. So we see the stage of instruction. We see the stage of demonstration. But when it comes to challenging people to grow, here's what Jesus did and what he had for his disciples that we have to have of each other when we instruct and when we demonstrate, the third thing, there has to be expectation. I'm sure our teachers here tonight, and we have a lot of teachers, a good number of teachers here at Shiloh, that when you teach and when you demonstrate, you have to expect that your students are going to learn. 
Amen? I mean, if you don't expect them to learn, you might as well stay home or find another job. Am I correct? Well, that's what I would do if I'm a teacher. By the way, and as a pastor, I'm a teacher. So I'm being honest with you. I put on my teacher cap as a pastor. When I preach and when I demonstrate by way of example, I expect people to learn. Amen? Y'all don't get quiet on me now. But when you, ex- when you spend adequate time diligently teaching, you have to expect learning. Now, look back at our text, and I want you to see in verse, the verses that we read, how Jesus had expectation of the disciples after instructing and after demonstrating for quite some time, Jesus had expectations. Now, look at verse number six. We read this. Jesus said unto them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, it is because we have taken no bread. When, which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? Do ye not yet understand? Neither remember the five loaves of five thousand, how many baskets he took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many baskets he took up? Jesus saying to them, gentlemen, I have taught you this before. I've been diligent in instructing. I've been diligent in demonstrating. Come on, you should know this by now. I know our teachers, especially our school teachers, can identify with this. I mean, you've gone over a concept what feels like a million times and then you come back and they give you this blank look like they're seeing you for the first time. Sister Barry, you ever had that happen to you? Sister Pemberton? Sister Jacinta? I mean, mean, you wonder, wait. What happened? I mean, you were sleeping. You were dreaming. I remember I was on the wrong side of this. I was in, I'm not going to tell you which grade because you might figure out who the teacher was. But it was primary school. And the teacher taught a particular concept. And to be honest with you, she asked me a question. And I had no idea what she was talking about. And she said to me, yeah, a talking Greek. (laughs) I always remember that. She had an expectation that I would have been able to give the answer and I wasn't able to do that. My friend, when it comes to learning, uh, there has to be expectation when the instruction is properly given. Expectation. But notice, fourthly, Jesus entered the phase of correction. No, he recognized that he had some expectations that were not met. The disciples gave him what were giving him the wrong answer. And so when learning does not happen or did not happen, even though you had expectations, here's what you have to do. You have to then guide. You still have to correct. Now look at verse number 11. He says, how is it that ye do not understand? That I spake to you, spake it not to you concerning bread, that he should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and 
the Sadducees. Now you notice how Jesus asked them a question and in asking the question, he gave them the answer to the question. He gave them the answer. He provided correction. Now what Jesus didn't do, he didn't say to the disciples, well, since you all don't know the answer, too bad for you. He says, I realize you are lacking and I'm going to correct you. I'm going to guide you. You know, sometimes, aren't we not guilty of this? We feel like we've said it a million times and we're not going to say it a million and one. We're done. We lose patience. We say, you know what? If you didn't get it by now, you're not going to get it again. But Jesus offered correction my friend when it comes to challenging each other to grow we must be willing to hold each other accountable and this is especially true for those who are in leadership position we can't throw in the towel if you're throwing the towel you're really vacating the responsibility of leadership there has to be a willingness to continue to correct, to continue to guide, to continue to hold a standard to where it should be held. Jesus offered correction when he recognized that the disciples had not learned what they should have. There's a phase and the stage of instruction followed by demonstration followed by expectation you have to have it by the way you can't have expectation before you've instructed it's unreasonable and after expectation if it is that that lesson is not learned is not applied there is correction but notice fourthly when it comes to growing this is a very important phase and stage and step that in this case is not Jesus' responsibility, but it's the disciples' responsibility. And it's what I call the phase or the stage or the step of reception. You see, my friend, in order to learn, in order to grow, what is being imparted must be received well. It must be received with a positive attitude. My friend, this is a critical, critical step. People will not grow when there is an attitude. Now tell me nothing. Me don't want to hear nothing from you. Pardon the dialect. Don't tell me anything. You have stunted your growth. The disciples, upon being rebuked by Jesus or challenged mildly, really, didn't grumble. They didn't suck their teeth. They didn't roll their eyes. They didn't push up their face. You said, Pastor Wayne, how do you know? You didn't get this video via WhatsApp. How do you know? How they responded. You know how I know? Look at verse number 12. 
then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of the bread but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees you know how I know they responded with a positive attitude they understood what Jesus was saying that's how I know if they had responded inappropriately and negatively it would not have clicked what Jesus was saying that's how important a good attitude is to correction. That's how important properly receiving correction is to learning. There was reception. You ever realize oh, two people responding completely differently to the same thing you see the response? It's amazing. It's like clockwork. Reception is so very important to growth. And when there is proper reception, there will be maturation. It's guaranteed. You will grow. You will grow. You will glow. And if you find that you are not growing at the rate that you would like to, if you find you're not growing at all in your Christian walk, I can almost assure you, I can pretty much assure you and guarantee you, there's a problem somewhere along one of these phases and stages. Sometimes you might not be growing, it might be you were not properly instructed. Maybe there was not proper demonstration. Maybe you were instructed and maybe it lacked the demonstration. The example was not there. We talked about this in Sunday school this morning. That's why it's so important to lead by example. It could be that you were taught, instructed, instructed, there was demonstration, but no one expected you to do well. No one expected that. Oh, you can do that. You know that students can detect when you don't expect them to do well? That could be deflating. Oh, well, you do, since you don't expect me to do well, let me just meet the low expectations that you have. But when there is expectation, it ought to lead to correction. People don't learn when wrong is allowed to happen and it's not corrected. And this is one of those phases in churches that listen, oftentimes we don't like. You ever realize people don't like to be corrected? And by the way, let me just put a plug in. Because sometimes I think leaders, oftentimes, and especially maybe pa pastors and those in leadership position, and I'm talking to you as a family. People who are in leadership don't like to correct people who don't want to receive correction. 
it is not fun. You don't look forward to having to tell people something when you know they're going to respond negatively. You prefer to sometimes, eh, but you have a responsibility. So correction is not fun. It might not be fun for the person receiving, but it's not fun for the person giving either. But Jesus had to correct. But in order for you to grow, that stage of reception is critical. And reception is followed by maturation. And I trust that as a church, we won't always get it perfectly. We won't always get it right. We, my pastor in Virginia, I always remember him always saying, listen, when you're dealing with a church, always be mindful. You're dealing with people, not products. So we have to always navigate feelings and emotions. Go, we all have them. But within that, we must be mindful that we must challenge each other to be more like Jesus. And we're imperfect people, but at the same time, we have to strive to be more like the Savior. Jesus did that throughout his ministry. Oftentimes you see the refrain, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? He was challenging them to greater things to reach higher heights and to advance in their Christian walk. And I trust that wherever you are in your Christian walk, that is your desire to grow, to be closer drawn to God. And let's as a family work together. Let's challenge each other knowing that we have each other's best interests at heart. And let it be that when we do this as a team, when we do this collectively, not just coming from one person, but coming from each other, we are united together in this common cause to strive together for the sake of the gospel. When it comes to ministry, let us be mindful of the importance to challenge each other. To do what? To do what? To grow. That's important. And may God help us in this endeavor.